This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, Joshua Deros' 20 of the year sends Panther City to the playoffs for the first time. The game of the year is about to go down in Banditland as Toronto and Buffalo battle for first in the East. We give thumbs up to the 100-100 club and another round of box bets. All that more on OTCB. I am an Good evening and welcome ladies and gentlemen alongside Pat Gregoire. My name is Teddy Jenner and boy have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Look at all the guys we talked about here tonight that have had cups of coffee and are now succeeding. Here's Jeff Cornwall all alone. One more to King! The defense played it perfectly. They wanted Jeff Cornwall to shoot that one. But Cornwall knows where the bread is buttered with the Calgary Roughnecks. And that's with number 19, Jesse King, who takes flight. Driver again. Over to Dawson. Swimmer scores! And I get it. You have to respect Schreiber here. But let's also put some respect on Dan Dawson's name, folks. Leaving him this open on the crease, that's his bread and butter. That's where he is the most dangerous. Lanchberry, slide Dougie Jamison, rebounding goal. The crease dive magic, Shane Jackson. A hat trick in the first half. Here comes Panther City, Madeira scores! Dip it, dunk, clip it, number 20 for Medeiros. Puts the Panther City lacrosse club in front by one. Peterson first starts, short side scores. Halifax has a lead. Halifax now on a four goal run. McLaughlin in Denver, big moment on the line. He is a guy you want to get the ball to. He was absolutely naked. Bird hanging onto the ball, does a swim move, can't get the shot away, takes it, scores! 4 0 in overtime, and Buffalo comes back to win this game, and it's just Bird. Another incredible weekend in the National Lacrosse League. Blowouts, close games, overtimes, and Zed and Brody dropping the mitts. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. My name is Teddy Jenner. He is Pat Gregoire. This is the Off the Crossbar podcast. Find us on Twitter at OTCB underscore podcast. He's at P. Greggy, and I am at Teddy Jenner. And you can find the show on the Instas, as the kids say, at OTCB Podcast. Uh, Patty, what is going on? You're getting ready to head to the far east coast for some chowder and a chance to see Jeff Teat take on the Halifax Thunderbirds. What's going on? That's exactly what's going on, Teddy. It's uh, it's sad, but it's potentially the last trip to the east coast of the year um you know the the tsn crew was pretty pumped to see when that news dropped that it was flexed uh to halifax and of course obviously we were thinking with halifax kind of on the slide there and new york already out of it we're like this game could be irrelevant but instead halifax is right back into the thick of things and of course you mentioned jeff t all eyes going to be on him as he is chasing down 
um, some history. So we're really, really pumped to be there. It sounds like it, there's a chance that this could be the biggest crowd in franchise history, which I think they've already broke like three times this year. <laughs> um, but the game itself, uh, we're, you know, I, I think it's going to be an awesome game. And just talking to the the guys on, on the riptide, they might be out of things, but they're focused on the future. And, and this isn't going to be a walkover game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Brad Chowner and I were talking because we get Vancouver and New York next weekend. And for both of us, it's the first time we've ever called the Jeff Teat game and, or seen him play live in person. Wow. As someone who's gotten a chance to call a Jeff Teat game, well, what's it like just to sit there and marvel? Because, you know, I, I've seen, uh, you know, John Grants and, and the shooters and the JTs, but Jeff Teat is, is the next one and on a whole nother level. What's it like to watch him do his thing? Well, for you, at least because you're doing play-by-play, you have no choice but to, to continue on. So, Brad, just don't get caught in the teat um, tractor beam or whatever <laughs> you want to call it because there is times where you'll just be locked in on him and just shocked because the things he does away from the ball, like how well he rides and forechecks and backchecks, like yeah. it is just – you truly, truly see how special of a player he is when you watch him in person he just does so many great things and you look at him up close not a big guy by any stretch of the imagination um not the fastest guy on the floor not the you know shiftiest guy on the floor but once (laughs) once that whistle's blown um he just blows you away with his skill set and his iq so enjoy it um i'm hoping that you guys are able to call some history that would be awesome um but he's got a tough challenge this week with yeah. a Halifax team that's hungry and he's torn them up twice already this year. Uh, seven points in the first meeting where they got smoked. He still was able to pick up seven yeah. and then nine. So um, he likes playing in California, likes playing against that Thunderbirds team, just not able to pick up a win yet. All right. So let's go look at the results from week 20 in the national crossing. It all started Friday, Vegas in Calgary. We, we got to the arena and uh, we had heard rumblings that Lanny Kells wasn't going to be in the lineup because he took that injury the week before. Um, Joel Watson put up a, a, a great effort. He, he was as good as they could have asked him to be. But the Calgary team was just too strong. Um, they're too much of a wagon right now. But this Vegas team has a lot to be excited about for the future with, you know, Dylan Watson coming in and fresh draft picks coming in. Another year for Jack Hanna and for Landon Kells. This team has a very, very bright future ahead of them. They no doubt are obviously, you know, disappointed that they're not making the postseason in their first year. And and they have a game here coming up this week um, that – on paper doesn't mean anything considering they're not going to make the postseason. But I know for a fact they're proud of what they've done this year and they've accomplished. Yeah, they're disappointed because they did have some high expectations. But I also know that they are excited for the future. And they should be. You mentioned all those great names. Um, you know, the the defense been pleasantly surprised. Like what a season. And I'm not surprised by this because I got to see a lot of them in previous years, but James Barkley turning into like a legit, yeah. uh, you know, bonafide 
shutdown defender in the game. John Phillips was a nice rookie story for that group. And I really do think that this is a team that next year, okay, they got their feet wet last year, but this upcoming year, high expectations once yeah. again. So I, I'm excited for the future for this group. One of the things that I love, just, you know, it, maybe it's a Willie thing, maybe it's a Vegas thing, but morning shoot around, they brought a, a little mini Bluetooth speaker out there. They are rocking to the Rolling Stones. They were, they, they were just having a great time. Um, there, there is a lot to be excited. There's a lot of energy around that team. There's a lot of hope and a lot of belief. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about the importance of the offseason for the Vancouver Warriors. I think this is an important offseason, again, for Vegas going into their second year. We've seen what you know San Diego's done from year one to year two. Now Panther City from year one to year two. Uh, that second year for expansion teams is always, I don't want to say make or break, but it's going to hold a lot of weight for the future of this organization. And again, we don't know what they're going to do if they're going to try to get that number one overall pick, if they're going to make a big splash, try to get Dyson or not. Um, but a, an important offseason for Vegas and a win at the end of the year against their big brother, San Diego, would go a long way. But that was a, a, a tough night for them as, as you know, that Calgary defense, when they have a great game plan, they're really tough to beat. And we've seen what they've done to Panther City in Vegas in the last two weeks, giving up just 12 goals in two games. It's It's been remarkable. Um, San Diego, Colorado, maybe one of the, the most exciting games of the weekend. Um, if we had an opportunity to see these two teams play seven games, I don't think anybody would be upset. But did you ever think you would see Zed Williams drop the mitts and drop the mitts with Brody Merrill? Didn't think of it. But again, I wasn't surprised by it because that's just Zeddy ball game. The guy is a complete gamer and he's not afraid of anyone. And as you can see, as he threw that threw Brody to the ground with the take, takedown, he's a strong, strong lad. Yes. So was I surprised? No. Um, but did I ever think I would see that? Absolutely not. Um, but the clip uh, of him in the locker room after the game and, and he gets the belt after like an incredible performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and immediately he's like, Oh, I don't deserve this. Like, that's just like, that's the embodiment of him in a nutshell. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. spotlight shouldn't be on me, even though I'm the, one of the most electrifying players in the game, but he's just so humble. So honest. We had him on the program before he was, you know, so much fun to talk to. Um, but that's just Zeddy, man. And I, that's kind of the MO of, of that group too. Yeah. Um, no one's bigger than the team. Um, and, and that's kind of the way that they've been playing the last couple of weeks. I, I, here we are again, man, <laughs> end of the season, Colorado just heating up at the right time. And sure that the defense and the goaltending wasn't great, but the offense comes alive. And that's yeah. just what this group does. When one, one side isn't working well, the other one picks them up. And that's what we saw against arguably the best team in the league in San Diego. Uh, on Saturday, Toronto knocks off Philadelphia 12-7 to keep their hopes for the number one seed alive. Philadelphia is on the brink of elimination. They got to do a lot and need a lot of help to move on. Uh, the Jordan Swarm are unstoppable right now. 15-6 to six <laughs> over Albany. Right, I, I, I want to go deeper into the Swarm because we, we kind of have to talk about their back half of the schedule. But before we do, 
Ryan Lanchbury had his best game as a pro. And I think this has been a long time coming. And I, I kind of said it in one of our group chats that he'd had maybe been having one of the most uninspiring rookie seasons of a guy that kind of had a lot of hype around him. And I know it's tough when, you know, there's so many other great rookies coming into the league and, and he hadn't played a lot of box over like the past couple of seasons, but for him to finally have a game like this goes a long way, not only for his confidence, um, but for this team that's really making a push. It's huge. It really is huge. And, you know, in the bigger grand scheme of thing for himself, it's massive mm-hmm. because I think before that he had one game with three points and then maybe a game with one and two. And then obviously, you know, not finding himself in the lineup every night. This is a guy that from pretty much the time he picked up a stick uh, through minor in June, like this guy just puts the ball and catches the ball. The ball then goes in the back of the net. Maybe that's why maybe, you know, maybe in the offense, it just, it, it didn't, it doesn't fit or it didn't fit for him at the time. And, and that now it comes to an opportunity where he is a little more comfortable. Guys are finding him and, and maybe this is the breakout that he was looking for. It's just coming at the wrong time for him, I would say, because obviously he wants to have that impact better, but yeah. overall for a team, maybe it comes at the perfect time because now he's starting to heat up. And just when you th- thought this offense couldn't get any better, you have a first rounder early first rounder, what second yeah. pick overall start now really flourishing. So um, huge for him, huge for this swarm team and look out, man. <laughs> They're a team that anyone in the East right now does not want to play, but you do bring up a good point, Teddy. Yeah. And I think and- you should dive into this because I don't think enough people are talking about it. And we're not trying to discredit this, no. what this group has done because you have there is to, an outlier. Yeah. You have to, you still have to win games, no matter who you're playing, you still have to win games. And when you look at their first seven games, they played Rochester, Buffalo twice, Toronto twice, Colorado and Philadelphia. So all but Philadelphia are playoff bound teams. They're back half of the schedule through this, eight games or seven games that they're on, Um, even nine games. They've played Albany three times, Philadelphia, New York twice, Halifax, and Saskatchewan, and then that 1918 game against Rochester that they lost. That's their only loss. So, again, not to discredit what they are doing and not to discredit the play of Dauber in between the pipes and Lyle and Andrew Q and, and all the great stories that are coming out of this group. Because, again, you still have to win these games. But if it was flipped or if they were playing playoff-bound teams, I'd be interesting to see how they would do. And their last two games are Rochester and Halifax, so big tests ahead of them. And it will really go to show where this team is. And, yes, you have to win those lacrosse games, but I wonder what their record would be if they were playing teams that were in playoff hunts. It's it's hindsight is is twenty twenty really mm-hmm. like but I mean you also could argue like okay well like would this team be that good right now if their schedule is a little more balanced like I think them having to play the Bandits twice the Rock back to back Colorado sprinkled in there Rochester coming out the gate and then Philly who it doesn't matter uh, every time Philly and Georgia plays it's a close game. Yeah. Um, 
I think that helped build character. I help, I think that allowed them to figure things out. Yeah, sure, it sucks that they lost seven in a row. Um, but this, I know there, there, I know there's a lot of different faces from when they won a championship, but there is a lot of familiar faces that kind of know what it takes to win a championship. And they weren't giving up after 0-7. I think maybe their expectations were a little bit, you know, tempered, but they knew that they could stick things together. They knew it's a long season. They know that you just got to get into the playoffs and that's all that matters. And of course, the big thing for me is, you know, Dobson figured things out and, and has been playing lights out. That's obviously no doubt the biggest factor, but the offense has been a lot better. Yeah. The defense has been a lot better. And I think that also does draw back to the fact that they can play a little more confident, a little more cool and collected when you're getting a stop and not, you know, hanging your heads because, you know, you play great defense for 28 seconds and then a shot gets flogged from the outside and it's the back of the net. Um, you said it a million times on this program, Teddy, like goaltending in this league is so, so, so important. And I think if Dobson even has a fall off over the next couple of games or into playoffs, sure, obviously, I don't think they're going to be nearly as dominant, but I think the team has figured things out that they can deal with a little bit of a drop off. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, let's let's just put you know a small caveat on who they're playing but in the first seven games they never scored more than 12 they never gave up less than 11 now they've only been held to single digits once and they're only giving up other than that 19 18 game they haven't given up more than 12 and most of those games have been single digits defensively so, you know, they're putting up 20s, 18s, 13s, 17s, 15s. Like, their offense is starting to get confidence and their defense. And sure, we talked about, you know, their lesser opponents. But again, this is a huge confidence builder for this group going into these key games at the end of the season, knowing that offensively they can put up numbers and defensively they can hold anybody to single digits that they want. So it's it's a double-edged sword. It's a glass half full glass half empty kind of conversation. But I think this team is playing with a ton of confidence and and these last two games will really show what they've learned over this last stretch of nine games. A hundred percent. And, and, and I think if, you know, if they finish their, their schedule off with like, you know, Sask and the riptide or, you know, teams that weren't in it, then I think you could have some cause for concern, but Rochester, Halifax, both teams are still fighting for their playoff lives. Both teams are above 500 at the moment. So playoffs have started for this group, um, but they're going to continue through. So we're going to learn a lot. And I think you said that perfectly. We're going to learn a lot about what this group has learned during this dominant stretch. Josh Byrne scores the game winner in overtime as Buffalo knocks off New York. Jeff Teat, seven points. He's now at 122, 15 points shy of tying Dane, 16 shy of breaking the record. Dane Smith also on pace to break the single season assist record. That was your hot take this week that both of those records would fall. It's just amazing when we get 
some of the best players playing against each other and watch them go toe to toe because it just creates such a cool environment. And, and we're going to get that, you know, we're going to get, you know, Stotts versus Teat again this weekend. We're going to get, you know, Teat against Charlotte Beatty's next weekend. Um, it, it's, it's, it's awesome to see talent going up against talent, but a tough loss for New York, just another, you know, angry moment where they probably could have had the, another victory. And you look at the season, some of the games they probably should have, could have won. Um, and the record might be a little bit different, but this New York team, again, a couple pieces away from really being a dominant force in the East. And again, another team during the off season, that's going to have to look themselves in the mirror is Cam Dunkley, the, their guy next year. Um, you know, do they go get another big defensive piece to add into that unit? Um, what does Dan Lattisor do with this group? So it'll be interesting to see um, what New York does in the offseason. You, you mentioned that it was a, a, the most important offseason for a few teams now. I think this, obviously, because it's it's so new, this franchise is so new, but there is no doubt this, this offseason is so monumentally important for the Riptide. They need to go out and get a couple more pieces. They're mm-hmm. close. They are so close. Um, like I'd be curious to to see what their against the spread um, record is because it seems like they've lost a ton of goals by one or two goals almost each and every week, it seems like, with the exception of a few blowouts. But Again, talking to them this week, they, they they keep preaching culture and, you know, wanting to establish culture and the right habits. And Riley O'Connor said, like, you know, it, we can only say these things and preach them for so long. Like, now is the time to actually show that there is a culture change and that we are learning from these games. And you know, despite them missing the postseason, this team has so much faith in the future. Yeah, sure. Having a guy like number 51 on your roster gives you a lot of a yeah. lot of faith in the future, but they believe. They really do believe. Um, but I think they would be silly not to realize that, you know, maybe a couple pieces here and there and and they're back into things. And um that everyone's job, with the exception of a few, are up for grabs and that these next few games you're also battling for a position next year because you know rich lisk is is going to want to improve that team immensely and he's not afraid to 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 make a, a big splash four one goal losses this year including two in overtime so yeah a bounce here a bounce there their season could look completely different um saskatchewan loses to halifax 15 11 at home they were officially eliminated from the playoffs um, back to back years. This rush team has not made the playoffs. Um, all right, let, let's say it again. Uh, an important offseason for the Saskatchewan <laughs> rush and Derek Keenan. But, you know, Alex Bouquet, a freak injury, um, left that game early. Eric Penny comes in. Uh, I asked you this on Coast to Coast. Does Derek Keenan and Jimmy Quinlan start? Uh, young Lane Rushka this weekend to see what they have in this cupboard, but a huge win for the Halifax Thunderbirds to keep their playoff hopes alive in, in hostile territory. This Halifax team, the last couple of years, has been up and down, you know, hot and cold. 
they got to find a way with all those veterans in that locker room to to keep this momentum going and win the last couple games. I had a great conversation with Clark Peterson this week about that game against Saskatchewan. I just said like two goals in, in the first, second, and third. So you score six in the first three quarters. Then you explode for nine. Like what was the big difference? And he just said that, it's a unique balance where he thinks like his te- like their team plays the best is. And he said, it, it's challenging because, you know, when they get down, sometimes they feel like they have to get that back within one shot mm-hmm. and, and chip away quickly rather than chip away with just singles. They try to hit that home run and all goals count for one. So, but the thing he did say though, at the same time, he goes, this is why it's a tricky balance he feels they also play a lot better when they're on their toes and when they're attacking and they're getting early shots, grabbing rebounds, playing fearless. So he said, they got to find that balance where they're calm, cool and collected and not hitting the panic button, Mm -hmm. but also at the same time playing with that killer instincts, they got to find that. And he felt like that, that fourth quarter was probably one of their best quarters that they played in a very long time. And he, Said, of course, we're not going to score nine goals in every single quarter, but if we can have that balance of calm presence while also playing, you know, to win and 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 playing fearless, then they're going to be a tough team to to knock out. The club clinches their first ever playoff spot with a nine-eight victory over Panther City, um, but in a loss. I thought it was a heck of a game by young Aiden Walsh. I thought a lot of us, maybe a little. Um, taken aback that they weren't starting boldy, but much like some of these other teams we've talked about, they got to figure out what they have in some of their young stars. And I thought that was a great performance from Aiden Walsh. It was, I, you know, I was, I was one of them. I was kind of surprised to see, but then when you think about it, you're like, yeah, okay, well, you know, they, they need to figure things out. Is Aiden Walsh, is he that guy you also need if you think Aiden Walsh is going to be that guy he can't go this long without playing an yeah. NLL game like he needs to get that action again obviously he's probably going to play somewhere in the summer um but he needs to get those game reps and um I I think I would be surprised like if if this this coaching staff and uh, is back um or there's some sort of semblance of it and management I would think that we probably see those two goalies back yeah. just based off the way that that second half of the season went. But again, you got to test things out. And, and yes, it was a valiant effort. And despite losing Shus and Jones, like this team, once those guys went down, took it as a challenge to try to get back into things. And they were close. They were, they were really close, but I think, um, they should be proud of what they were able to do. I know that they probably have and should have higher expectations for what they accomplished. But again, it goes back to what a huge, huge, huge off season this is going to be. They still are missing, you know, one or two guys up front. And then I think, you know, you get a guy like Owen Grant, who I've been, you know, praising for a very long time. He's going to be a game changer. Like this team has the potential to be a playoff team next year. It's just, can they put it all together? And if, if they have that compete that we saw in the second half, um, there's no reason why they shouldn't be like, I, I, at this point, I would have to assume that the franchise is just cursed because if you can get that effort while also adding some pieces, they gotta be there, right? They have to at least be competing for a playoff spot. 
Panther City went six and three down the stretch last year. Uh, and we all thought they were they were making that crazy push for the playoffs. They just missed out. They carried that momentum over into this season. And as year two as an expansion franchise, we kind of talked about it can often be very tough because there's a lot more expectation on your club. And what Tracy Kluski and Steve Toll and the insertion of Kyle Gowdry to their offensive coaching staff, they've done an incredible job. Obviously, you know, they've they moved on from Chad Cummings. They give Matt Hostick the captaincy. They bring in Callum Crawford. They get Jonathan Donville. All these new pieces, a budding superstar in Will Malcolm. It was an incredible year for this group, and they still have a lot to accomplish. And Josh Medeiros has been a huge part of that group, not only as a leader, but as a defensive stalwart. And he's turned into an absolute defensive star in the making. Uh, one of the top guys in block shots, in cause turnovers. Uh, he's leading that one of the top leaders in loose balls on their group. And he also has a flair for the dramatics. And he goes one on two with us right here this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. We talked about the Panther City Lacrosse Club clinching a playoff game for the first time in franchise history. And the man that secured that goal and the winning goal joins us now, Josh Medeiros. What's up, Maddie? How are you? Uh, not bad. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are fantastic. Um, where did the dip and dunk funk come from? How long have you been keeping that in your arsenal to pull out the right moment? Uh, honestly, it's just something that kind of comes to me at the last second. I kind of sometimes run myself in a little bit too much trouble and the only way to kind of put the ball in is sometimes to get up in the air. Um, what, what's it been like to be around this group um, on this run? Obviously even dating back to last year in the second half of the season where you guys went six and three down the stretch and, and now you guys are, you know, 10 and seven this year. What To be a part of an expansion team that's really putting something special together, what's it been like for you? Uh, it's honestly been unreal. Like uh, TK's always been preaching about trying to build a culture with uh, with the guys starting in the dressing room, and uh, I think he's done a great job. I mean, obviously, I'm uh, really good buddies with uh, Phil Caputo and Connor Sellers, so at least coming into my first year last year, it was, uh, it was nice to have some familiar faces around to kind of help me through my first year, and even still into this year, the guys that I still look up to. You know, you had some support in your first year, but it seems like your game has just elevated to a completely different level in year number two for you. We know professional athletes always try to focus on something in the off season to get better. Was there any area or areas that you were really looking at to to help you and that have helped you had such a great season in transition this year? Uh, I think this year, I know at the end of my uh, exit interview with uh, TK and Hammer, they wanted me to put on at least a little bit, a couple pounds of muscle, like for that upcoming season. So I really tried to focus with uh, my trainers back home to, to try to help me be a better player for next year. When, when you look at, at, at this group and then you look at what you could bring to the club, you know, when you do those exit interviews, they say, you know, we really like how you do this and, and, and we want you to do this, you know, put on some muscle. What were some of the things that, that you were doing well that you've continued to do well this year? Uh, I think still being able to get up the floor has always been a key factor for me. And uh, this year I've kind of been given uh, more of a green light and a larger role to, uh, to try to get up the floor and try to create transition and create opportunities for not only myself, but my teammates as well. 
And then, of course, your your captain, Matt Hosek, took over for Chad Cummings after he left. Um, I don't think a lot of people talk about him when they talk about some of the, the best leaders in the National Lacrosse League right now, um, especially coming from a guy who's the youngest captain in the NLL. It, it looks like you guys would follow him into the fires of Mordor. Uh, Haas is our fearless leader, and, uh, you know, we'll do anything to – to back him up and it's it's tough like obviously he's one of the youngest captains and uh we're a really young team so it's kind of nice that uh our leader's kind of closer to our age and it's someone that will will follow forever the offense obviously is is electric you've got so many young guys up there you know in just their first couple of years in the NL doing great things but it seems like this this defense and especially Nick Daymood go under the radar. How important is Daymood to this defense? And the second part, you played against them in St. Catharines, I believe. Did you know that this guy could be this good? Uh, honestly, I didn't really know how good he was going to be. I mean, I was more of a stay at home defenseman, more in junior. So I didn't really get up the floor too much to see what he was like on the other end. Uh, but uh, we always preach that our uh, our defense is our backbone, and it starts with Nikki uh, stopping the ball. So we're always happy to have him back there. And was was Steve Toll coaching St. Catharines back then too? Uh, yeah, if he was still in the game by the end of it, yeah, he'd be coaching. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. <laughs> it kind of leads me in, in, into the question of you know anybody that knows Toller knows that he is animated. He is loud. Um, he's hilarious at the best of times. Um, what are some of the things that you've learned from him now that you've got to play for him? Uh, well, he'll never fail to let us know that he was the first transition player of the year. So it's always <laughs> nice to have someone like that who will be able to kind of, especially like involve in my game as well, to continue to push me to, to keep pushing the ball up the floor. But uh, Toller, I mean – He'll get he'll get in your face uh, a little bit, but like you know that the next like thirty seconds to a minute later he'll be your best friend and he'll do anything to back you up. Your group, uh, maybe it's it's kind of based off your your coaching staff because it seems like you know watching from afar you'll see some clips where you guys are you know very serious uh, and all business like, but at the same time, you know at practice you guys are having fun. The coaches are having fun. Um, how awesome is it that you guys are able to have both those sides, the all business side, but still really enjoy yourselves and, and love being around each other? Uh, I think a lot of it is like the, the different characters that we have in the room. Like we have, we have our hostics and our sellers that, that want to be serious and they can get us into check-in at times. But then we have uh, other guys, you know, like myself included, Caputo, who always like to, to have a smile on the guy's faces and know that this is just a job. It's also something that you love to do and you love to have fun to do it. Are you really a big hula hoop guy? I might be. You'll have to ask Caputo <laughs> about that one. <laughs> um, talking about having fun, like you guys do a great job with the mic'd up and and just stuff around the community and, and inside that organization. But now that you guys have clinched a playoff spot and now you guys can focus on, you know, goal number two, does it change your, your outlook going into this final game? No, nothing changes. It's still business as usual. It's just it's another game. I mean, obviously, uh, this game will still mean something. Uh, we're fighting for a, for a spot right now, and it's uh, it's going to be a battle no matter who we're going to be playing against. We already talked a little bit about Brampton, but how cool is it to see so many guys in the NLL from that 2018 team 
you know, yourself, Peterson, T, Boudreaux, Hazen, Van Shep, and Justin. Ro- like, I could go on and on. Like, there is a healthy load of NLLers from that team. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's honestly awesome to see, especially like guys like uh, McClellan and Jeff, who we've been playing lacrosse together since we were like uh, five years old. So it's always awesome to, to see them uh, thriving in this league. And it's uh, sometimes a little bit comical when we're playing against each other because we haven't uh, done that too many times, but. I'm uh, just happy for all the guys that made it. Do you, do you take those one-on-one battles personally when you go up against those guys? Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, maybe give them the extra whack or maybe the fake flash <laughs> here and there just to keep them on their toes a little bit. That's all fun and games. Does does what, what Jeff Teat is doing uh, surprise you at all, having grown up with him since you were a kid? No, not not at all. He's uh, he's always been a special player and uh, one of my close friends, so. Uh, I'm just happy to see what he's doing, what he's doing. Who who was your guy growing up in Brampton? Because a lot of legendary players have come through that city and that organization, whether it had been, you know, the the Man Cup runs or, or Minto runs or whatever it been. You know, growing up, who, who was your guy that you watched? Uh, I watched a lot of Josh Anderson. I mean, I'd be uh, going up to uh, – well, Jeff's dad, Jan, we going up to his games all the time. And Powerade Center is not too far from my house. My parents were always bringing us there. But uh, Shooter was a big one that I loved to watch because he was always going to do like, something exciting with the ball. So did you watch that uh, 0-2 Man Cup? Uh, I was probably there. I was only about five years old, so I probably don't remember too much about that <laughs> one. But Good. I don't want you to, I don't want you to remember it. <laughs> I don't want you to remember that at all. <laughs> I know you're. I know you're focused on on the NLL season and and uh, you know your playoff run at hand. But um, you know how important is it getting Brampton Lacrosse back on the map with all the history that you have? And now you look at that team that you grew up with. Now you guys are all playing. Um, do you feel like a sense of of responsibility to to help Brampton Lacrosse grow back to what it was once? Yeah, I I really hope that this summer with us being back in the floor, it's uh, it's a good chance to try to give back to the community and try to build the reputation back up that it once was, as you know, like with all the senior stuff that's been going on and the Brampton name getting dragged through the mud and stuff like that. So it'd be nice to actually get out in front of friends and family and uh, in the local community. We chatted with uh, Donville for the Coast to Coast this week, and he was saying that Fort Worth is the perfect caricature of what everyone thinks Texas is. You know, guys in cowboy hats and big belt buckles and horses in the streets. What's the most Texas thing you've seen down there? Uh, if I don't know if you guys have ever been down to Texas at all, but the Fort Worth stockyards are honestly something uh, yeah. something I'd move you to check out. Uh, like they, they have all the original cobblestone road and they do the big cattle steer walk like up and down the street twice a day they have the original train station there for when the cattle trade was going on it's kind of like vegas for cowboys is the best way to describe it (laughs) vegas for cowboys i love that that's a good one uh uh, well this is a two-part question are you a barbecue fan if so you could only choose one meat what would it be uh steak for sure I'll eat steak and potatoes all day, every day. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, what the hell was Jordan Cornfield wearing in the locker room after you guys won? Uh, we're still trying to figure that out, too. He kind of looked like Doug Glatt from <laughs> No idea where any of that stuff came from. <laughs> um, 
Um, Obviously, you're you're traveling down to to Fort Worth right now. You're in the American Airlines um, first class lounge as we wait. Are you a window or aisle guy? I'm usually an aisle guy. Uh, I'm not too sure why. I usually always sit in the exact same seat on the plane for American Airlines every single time. It's just creature of habit. I chose it once, and I've just been rolling with it ever since. And then do you sleep or are you binge and film? Oh, sleep, sleep. Yeah. But some, sometimes before we even take off, I'm already... Oh, you're one of those guys? Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, who's the best guy to travel with? Uh, Caputo's pretty fun to travel with. He's always got something funny to say. And who's the guy you're always waiting on? Cam McLeod, the worst <laughs> traveler in the world. There's always something wrong with that guy on the road. What makes him so bad? Uh, sometimes traveling in rental cars, he's got his bag, his lacrosse bag in one bag, his duffel bag with his passport in another, or we're waiting on his sticks at oversized all the time. It's just too much sometimes. Man, that, Thank that, God he's that, living that, in Texas now. Yeah, that segment on uh, Amer- uh, Amazing Race Canada really went to his head. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Is, uh, so it's safe to say he's probably got the longest rap sheet for fines this year. Oh, yeah, he's up there. He's been up there since last year, for sure. <laughs> that hasn't stopped since. Who is the judge in your your guy's uh, kangaroo uh, court? Uh, Haas is the judge, Captain Haas. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, when, when you have brothers like Will and Tony Malcolm on the same team, it's always a fun dynamic. What are those two guys like when they're together? Are they always bickering? Uh, honestly, they're both pretty quiet. Like, I know at least, like, Will lives down in Texas, uh, like during the season, so he stays at his place, and then they're kind of roommates together on the road. But uh, I think they're kind of two peas in a pod. They're pretty quiet and just kind of keep to themselves. Uh, obviously, a, a massive game against Calgary this weekend. Like you said, you know, you guys can still get third in the uh, third in the West with some help with a Colorado loss here or there. But you played Calgary just a couple weeks ago, so you've got some fresh film. What did you learn about yourselves as a team? Um, that you can take away and have a better performance? I think uh, most of it was our communication on the back end. It's just like they're a really quick team. They move the ball really fast. They set good hard picks. So I think uh, just stepping up our communication aspect will be a key to our success coming up the back door. And did you ever think you'd be a 20-goal guy in the National Lacrosse League? (laughs) No, I think, uh, like, even when I played Junior A, I think I had, like, maybe four goals in three years, so... Uh, I never really thought that it would be like this, but uh, it's all right. I want to ask, because we, we started off with it, and, and maybe this is where we'll finish, because we did talk about Toller as well. When you scored that goal, that beauty move, how quickly did he take credit for that move when you got to the bench? <laughs> I don't know if he took credit for, uh, for it too much. It was more uh, right before going up the floor, TK was yelling at us, so we got to get the ball up the floor, so. I think I'll have to side with TK on this one. Toller, don't awesome. scratch me. Man, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is awesome, man. Appreciate your time. Uh, safe travels down to Fort Worth. Good luck this weekend. And uh, we'll definitely be seeing the playoffs, man. Good luck and congratulations. Awesome. Thanks very much, guys. appreciate it. All right, a man of few words is Josh Medeiros, but he walks softly and carries a big stick. And that goal at the end of the game clinched the win, and their first playoff spot. Uh, what a story this Panther City Lacrosse Club is. 
I think we have to wait and see how this season finishes. But, you know, obviously Georgia um, making a push, potentially making a postseason after an 0-7 start. Um, I think there was a lot of um, love for Aaron Bold coming back and, mm-hmm. and giving Vancouver a couple of great wins. The historic seasons of some of the game's best players and Dane Smith. Um, Jeff T, Tom Schreiber, though that's a big story, but this has to be up there as well. Yeah. Uh, a Panther City team in its second year, um, after them falling just short, uh, the fact that they've found their way into the postseason, uh, and possibly could be a third seed, I think that's got to be up there, at least in you know the top five, top 10 stories from the year. And it's great, and um, you know, hearing. Madero speak like he is very much the personality of of this team like to have a little fun but they've got mm-hmm. their serious side um and a lot of belief like you could hear when he was talking about you know does this change you guys get through you asked him you know does the mindset change now that you're in nope all business you know yeah. And that's kind of what the the mindset of this team, and it starts from the top with with Bob Hamley and, and Tracy Kluski and that entire coaching staff. What the culture that they have instilled in this group? Yeah, a, a great picture that TK posted on social was you know him and Bob Hamley just kind of embraced arm in arm inside Rogers Arena, just kind of taking it all in. But those two guys deserve a lot of credit for what this group has been able to accomplish, and. They didn't care what other people were saying outside their locker room about their team or, or where they're at or, you know, the lack of fan base, whatever. They just went out and did their job and they've done an excellent job. And you're right. They're they're in third right now. They're battling for that third spot. They need some help to hold on to that spot. But that doesn't matter who they play. They will take the beatings and, and the, the hacks and whacks and the ups and downs of whoever they play against in that first round. And whether it's San Diego, or whether it's Calgary, they're going to come out and they're going to be ready to go. So uh, a heck of a story being built down there in Panther City, and hopefully they can keep it going. Uh, time's now for thumbs up, thumbs down, Patty. And uh, I'm going to go, and this lead will lead into our, our games this weekend in Week 21, but shout out to the unknown schedule makers. And they obviously had no idea it was going to play out like this. But the fact that we're getting some of these quote-unquote rivalry games late in the season and multiple times in the last few weeks that we get Buffalo-Toronto in the span of three weeks, we get Colorado and San Diego in the span of two weeks, uh, Calgary and Panther City battling in the span of a few weeks. I would love to see this become maybe a bit more of a regular thing, and obviously you can never predict who's going to finish where, but the fact that we can get these rivalry games late in the season to build up that bad blood heading into the playoffs – just makes those games and those environments that much more special. Like the crowd in Bandaland is going to be bananas this weekend. Uh, it was an unreal scene in Colorado this past weekend. Um, it, it's just, it just creates that much better of an environment. It puts more on the line. The guys have a lot more to play for. And I really would love to see this become a bit more of a regular thing when we build these schedules. <laughs> And you don't want to shy away from marquee matchups early in the season. But when you can have games like these, like Buffalo-Toronto this weekend with first place on the line in the East in the second to last weekend, it is the best lacrosse you can watch. 
the NFL does it every year where you finish with a division rival. And again, obviously the schedule is a little bit different with the NL, but I would love to see, you know, you only play in the last, you know, your last two games, maybe your 17th and your 18th game is someone within mm-hmm. the division. Yeah, sure. There's going to be some years where one of the teams that you're playing, it doesn't mean anything. And that's, that's sports. schedule makers. It's sports, right? But majority of the time that game is going to mean something. And I think you're on to something here. I think you could really, really build up a great playoff picture. And it, even if teams have already got in, like you see with Buffalo Toronto this week, like, yeah, both teams have secured the top two seeds and they're in the playoffs, but they're battling for first overall. Yeah. And that's a huge, huge, huge game. So uh, yeah, hundred percent. You want those, marquee matchups at the start of the year and midseason, but let's try to figure out a way where we can have some of these games at the end of the year mean a lot for both teams, especially when it comes to head to head implications down the stretch. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, it, it's hard to predict, but, and we can always flex games like they've done this, this weekend with Halifax and New York. But, you know, if, if you got a, a Calgary, Colorado, or a Buffalo, Toronto, or a Toronto, Halifax, a Calgary, Saskatchewan, whatever it may be, these games will be marquee games on TV as well. Where we're not, you know, we don't have a New York, Toronto, or a New York, Vancouver to end the season. That's, I'm not trying to knock those clubs, but that's a game that has no playoff implications. The only real storyline will be, you know, Jeff Teat breaking the record. Whereas if it's a, a rivalry game it's an interconference game it just has a little more cachet you know what i mean 100 percent, and and it makes for great tv as you yeah. mentioned some some big games uh, on tv the 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 marquee matchup of this week on espnu so yeah 100 percent. i'm all in i think that's a great idea uh what is your thumbs up from week 20 so my thumbs up is to a, a collection of a few players but um, there will be more joining this list. Um, shout out to all the players in the 100 100 club. Um, that is 100 points and 100 loose balls. Uh, I think that is an exclusive uh, company. It, it means that, yeah, you are an elite offensive player, but you also provide a different dynamic to your game by going out, grabbing those loose balls, getting those extra reps. We see some of these guys playing on the ball team. So right now, Connor Fields, 103 points, 121 loose balls. We also have Mitch Jones, 110 points and 109 loose balls. Tom Schreiber, 112 loose balls sorry 112 points 107 loose balls and that is currently it right now a couple guys are close yeah, um, jeff t will get there this weekend yes jeff t will be in fact there this weekend will malcolm could potentially get there he's already has 110 loose balls sitting at 92 um so a big game from him this week he could uh, be there Lyle Thompson, certainly going to be there with two games left, 98 points. He's going to be there. Um, and Andrew Q, 106 yeah. points, 91 loose balls. So Still just the quietest underpoint guy ever. It's insane. It's insane. Nobody, and, and that's why, I mean, again, 
everyone wants to point and for good reason, Hey, like the reason why Georgia's playing so well, look at the improved play of Brett Dobson, hundred percent. Absolutely the biggest reason, but let's not forget how good this offense has been playing as well. And Andrew Q having 106 points in 16 games. Don't know if many people had him having this good of a year. Sure. We knew he was going to find a, a nice cozy home on that offense, but what he's been able to do is remarkable. So just wanted to give a thumbs up to the hundred hundred club. I think it's something super unique yeah. and uh, something that uh, we talked about a little bit on the broadcast last week with Mitch Jones um, and such an unreal seasons he, he's having, um, especially since coming over to Philadelphia. So just wanted to spotlight those guys. Um, when do you, when was the last time someone other than Lyle led the swarm in scoring? Oof, that is a really, really, really good question. I know, right? Did Stotts in their rookie year? That's a, that's that's the one I was thinking. That I that probably would have to be it, right? Um, no, twenty twenty Shane, uh, the shortened season. Okay, shortened yes, this, yes, 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 because Shane Jackson, Shane and, and Randy led, but that's a shortened season. Uh, twenty nineteen Lyle led them. 2018, it was Lyle. 2017, it was Lyle. Uh, 2016, it was Randy. So you got to go all the way back to 2016, a full season. Um, Lyle only had 60 points. Randy dropped 95. And that was Randy's rookie season. Yes, yes it was. that was Randy's rookie season in 2016. So that's quite a long run. Um, and now that they have Andrew Q and I think we all kind of were curious how he would fit in. Um, and maybe at the start of the season, I don't think a lot of people kind of took notice cause he kind of had a bit of a slow start, but man, he has been absolutely on fire down this stretch. So, uh, that hundred hundred point club, um, great little, great little nugget there, Pat, uh, what's your thumbs down? I'll let you go first. Cause originally this was going to be my thumbs down. Okay. So you are are giving this thumbs down i'll see if there's something else that i can throw <laughs> um it was maybe uh, it was an incredible story uh when we first saw that the philadelphia wings were putting brock Sorensen on the evaluation list um he hadn't played in a couple years he was coming off an achilles injury uh he was focused on work and family life and everything like that and then you know talking with paul day he's like he's in great shape he's itching to get back in he knows our system. He knows a lot of our guys. He's going to be a great addition. He does so many great things for us. Just gives us another added weapon. And first half of that game, he looked great. He was making hits. He was finding loose balls. He was pushing in the transition. And then just an absolutely non-contact freak injury. Still don't know um, what the injury is, but it did not look good. And when you see a guy go down and in that amount of pain um, and anguish and, and grabbing at his ankle, um, we all immediately thought, oh, no, is this another Achilles injury? And he put no weight on his foot going off the floor. Just heartbreaking to see a guy like that go down with an injury after working so hard to get back to the National Cross League. Let's hope 
that it's not Achilles. Let's hope it's maybe just a high ankle sprain or something like that. But it did not look good. Um, and it was it was a crushing blow for that Wings organization because they were on such a high. They were playing so well. They get him back. Um, and then just to see him have to be carried off in such pain was just crushing. Went from an incredible story to a, a tragic ending. And I don't want to sound, you know, dramatic here but it really was like a, like 1435 days the last time he played an nll game was yeah. may 11th 2019 and of course fingers crossed because there hasn't been you know much information except for him going to the ir um hopefully it's it's something not too serious and hopefully it's something that he's able to recover from and and decides to come back um, because obviously it took a lot of sacrifice mm-hmm. for him to get back. Obviously he was always in tremendous shape, but you got to get into game shape and it's a freak freak accident going up for a loose ball comes down awkwardly. And, and yeah, it was really, really tough to, to see that on the broadcast, but I'm hoping, uh, and, and praying for a quick speedy recovery. Maybe we see him, um, playing some summer ball for Peterborough a couple games or, or whatever it may, may be. Uh, I know he's not living in Peterborough, but again, guys find ways to, to make it work <laughs> when it comes to the Lakers to make sure they get their playoff games in. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it would be awesome to see maybe this summer or, you know, next year come training camp, he's back in Philly um, and, and battling for, for a spot because that was such a crappy ending to such an awesome yeah. story. It, it was it, it was gutting. And, you know, I, I was talking with Logan Shuss, who knows Brock very well from the Ohio State days. You know, he was he was heartbroken for his buddy, and I know a lot of other guys were. So we wish Brock Sorensen the, the speediest recoveries, all the health, and hopefully it's some good news uh, when we find out what actually um, happened there. Uh, did you come up with a thumbs down, or are you good with Brock? You know what? I think we're let's keep the positive vibes going. Let no need to throw down another yeah. another thumbs down. Let's let's stick with that. All right. Uh, this week, week twenty one in the National Lacrosse League. Um, some very interesting matchups. Uh, we've got a Sunday game, which is always fun for the fans at home. Uh, but it starts on Friday, Calgary at Panther City. Uh, we talked about a, a possible first round matchup. Calgary can still get in the West. Panther City holding on for third. <clears throat> Uh, these two teams played a couple weeks ago. Calgary won 12-5. They held Jonathan Donville off the score sheet. I don't think they can do that again. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Panther City comes out in this game. It'll be interesting to see, you know, I I'm, I never wanted to see Kurt Miloski kind of dress a, a softer lineup um, to get guys some playing time. Uh, be interesting to see, you know, who they dress and if they give guys some rest. But for Panther City, this is this is a huge game. You know, you always want to go in on, on a, as much as you can to keep that momentum going. Um, and after an emotional win in Vancouver, you wouldn't be surprised if they had a bit of a letdown, but knowing Tracy Kluski and his group, uh, that won't be the case. They can't afford to have a, a letdown. I know I said this is a confident group, but if, if you go in to this game um, – feeling great of, of, of that Vancouver win, feeling, feeling awesome. All right, we're in. And then you, you go into the game and the same thing happens to potentially the team that you're playing in the postseason. How does that not creep in the back of your mind when you're going into a playoff game, that this is a team that smoked you twice, outclassed you twice, 
And for me, I, I'm looking at two guys that have been the heartbeat of the offense, but have gone really quiet in the last couple of games. Uh, Jonathan Donville, zero goals in his last two, just two assists. Mm-hmm. Will Malcolm, just one goal in his last two for four points. Those guys have to be better. If this team wants to go on a run, it can't just be two, three points for each of those guys. And I know they still have some great depth and Callum Crawford is, is still a tremendous player. And Matthew Goche has been a great story. And Phil Caputo is a great second. No, that's all fine and true. But this team has to rely on some big games from Malcolm and Donville and they got to get going now because, again, two young players that have had outstanding seasons, you can't allow that doubt to creep yeah. in your mind going into the playoffs. Yeah, and I think Donnie said it this week on Coast to Coast. You know, teams are, you know, when you're a freshman in college, teams don't have a lot of book on you. Uh, by the time you get to your senior year, everybody knows what you're doing. So, you know, 16 games in the season teams are starting to figure out Jonathan Donville. They can plan around him. They can make game plans for him. And it's been a a tough couple stretch for him. And, you know, you could know, you could tell that he wasn't happy with the way he's played the last couple of games. So I would expect a a much improved performance from him and from Will Malcolm uh, in in a huge game for Panther city down at home Uh, on Saturday. uh, You've got the TSN game of the week, along with John Abbott and Ashley docking, out there in the nest, as you mentioned, could be a, a record-breaking crowd for them. Uh, the teat and the rip, teat and the riptide can put a real dent in Halifax season, and you know they would love to do that. The rip teat, and I think you might be on something there. <laughs> it's pretty apropos. <laughs> um, yeah, they absolutely would, and I it, that question was obviously brought up in a couple of conversations, and they were. Yeah, it would be great. But at the same time, they're more focused on what they can do to to better themselves for the future. That culture is still being built. They want to prove that it's more than just a couple of cliches thrown out in their group chat or on, on their locker room wall or whatever it is. They want to prove that this team did make strides. And yeah, they fell short of their goal, but they want to prove that. And also... Riley O'Connor said it, said it best. You know, it's Jeff T. You might not believe it. He doesn't care about those records. He does not care. He just wants to, he would much rather get, a, you know, a, a big win in Halifax or a big win or two big wins um, mm. in Halifax and Vancouver and not worry about that. But he said, we want to get him that record. And if he's putting up big numbers in both those games, there's a good chance that they're going to come out with a win. So they're going to be making sure they're finishing their chances on the doorstep when he um, gets them the ball or or they're getting the ball to 51. They want him to really break that record. So uh, on the flip side with Halifax, though, playoffs start now. Um, Coach Kersey said it in our conversation, said there doesn't really need to be much said. Like, sure, I've, I'll have a rah-rah speech ready to go, but if you need me to motivate you for a game like this, Probably shouldn't be there. The last time Georgia and Rochester played, it was a 1918 <laughs> back and forth affair. Rochester had one, two, three, four different five goal leads in that game and almost 
blew it. Rochester got all the way back to within one when Seth Oaks scored with about 40 seconds remaining. I don't expect us to see another 40-goal game, but this is going to be as close to a playoff game uh, as we've seen late in the season between these two clubs. The fact that, A, Georgia can move into third place with a win, and B, that if Rochester continues this downward spiral, a team that started 6-0 and could find themselves on the outside looking in, which I don't know which story would be more believable. Like if I would have said a team at 6-0 and was going to miss the playoffs or a team that was 0-7 was going to make the playoffs, which one would have surprised you more? If you're taking like taking away the the names or the the yeah, jerseys, just, just on paper, I think on paper you say it's 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 Georgia. Um, I think or the zero and seven team is more shocking to make the postseason just because I know we've said it. Oh, it is a long season, but collecting seven like that's such a a tough hill to climb. We've seen teams come out hot and fizzle down the stretch, not to this magnitude that I can yeah. I can gather. Like since since March, uh, Rochester has has won one win, and it's in that wild game. Yeah. Since February, they have three wins, and like this is a team that again, like I think a lot of people were very surprised with the way they started. And I'm not trying to say that the team at the start of the year can't come back, but maybe they were playing a little bit above their heads. Maybe they weren't a six and O team. Um, maybe they're going to end up with a record that kind of seems more realistic. Probably for sure. That's probably what it's going to be. They're just the complete polar opposite of what George is doing. They're playing the, they're playing their best lacrosse um, at the right time, at the right time. Whereas, you know, Rochester came out firing. Mm. Do I still believe in this Rochester team? Absolutely. If they lose here, faith is certainly starting to dwindle. But I, I said it on Coast to Coast. I'll say it here. The X factor, no doubt, is Rylan Hartley. It's not like he's been playing bad. You can't throw everything on him. Sure, he's had a couple of bad games here and there. But he's not the elite goal score or sorry, goaltender that we saw in that stretch at the start of the year. It's just not. He needs to get back to some of that semblance to allow his team um, to to win these last two games, get into postseason, and I, then I think the confidence is back in this group. Um, three overtime losses in this last stretch of games for them, or sorry, three losses by one goal, including two in overtime. The crazy thing is, usually when a team takes a major dive like this, there's injuries, there's guys in and out of the lineup, that hasn't been the case with Rochester. Like they're almost as maybe with the exception of a guy like Dan Coates, who's kind of been in and out, they haven't been missing a lot of their top guys. So that's got to be a bit of a concern for Mike Hazen in this group, especially since they've been playing, they played Philly twice, Vegas, Albany. Like these are teams that they should be beating and they're not. That has to be a concern when you're dressing a full healthy lineup. There, there's no no doubt, but again, I think I, I just think maybe this is a case of a team that just kind of met and exceeded expectations at the mm-hmm. start of the year. Like I think if you told me at the start of the year that this Rochester team would finish the year ten and eight or 
nine and nine. I'd say, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And that's probably where they're going to be. Yeah. Good point. Good point. But the route that yeah. was taken yeah. on is the craziness. Yeah. And the, that, that's the wild story. Rochester, nine and nine, Rochester. Um, that record does not seem crazy. But then if you show the results, you'd yeah. be like, what the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You would have thought that much like last year, Ryland Hartley got hurt. They yes. haven't played their backups. You know, Connor Fields was out. Thomas Hogarth was hurt, whatever it may have been. What? Yeah, exactly. That's such a good point. Not the case at all. So uh be interesting to see how they bounce back. Two huge games. They've got Georgia and Philadelphia to end the season. Uh, they got to win those games. They want to hold on a third. They got to win those games if they want to make the playoffs. So, um, a big stretch for the Nighthawks down the stretch. Uh, we're going to save Toronto and Buffalo for the end because it's it's the biggest game of the weekend. <laughs> um, Colorado asked Saskatchewan, the Mammoth can get into third place. The Rush trying to play spoiler. When you look at this Rush club, obviously for years we've talked about their defense, you know, the Dokes, the Corbeals, the Rubish, the Lintz, the Cornwalls. That, that reign is slowly starting to come to an end. But the fact that they have Jarrett Smith, Ryan Barnable, Jake Boudreaux, um, Austin Madronic is now in the fold, can play both ways. Derek Keenan always does a great job in keeping the cupboard stacked. But yes, as much as this season has sucked, for lack of a better term, I don't think you sh- there's a lot of panic or should be a lot of panic in Rush Nation because they have such good young stars just getting better and better. Like the 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 Jake Boudreaux story, he was awesome all year long. I don't think he gets enough credit. I don't think Jared yeah. Smith gets enough credit. When we look at all the rookies in the National Lacrosse League this year, uh, they've had some great young talents putting up some great minutes for them. So, yes, it, it's been a tough back half of the season for the Rush. And, yes, they would love to have been in the playoffs. But another team that is going to have a very important offseason – uh, are the Saskatchewan Rush. You know, what do they do in goal? That's why they got to see what Lane Rushka can do for them in these last couple of games, much like Vancouver's doing with Aiden Walsh. Um, you know, was Mark Matthews back? Is is Rubish back? You know, what does this team look like next season? I, I don't know. I don't know if anyone yeah. <laughs> really knows, to be, to be quite honest. And when you look at this roster, Madronic, Walter, Smith, Boudreaux, Barnable, Rushka, Enju, Searle. That's a lot of rookies yeah. to, to make an appearance. It, it, like that, that is, that's got to be at least near the top, if not the most. Yeah. Um, and then you factor in guys, you know, like Connor McClellan in his second season, um, Bobby Kidd, the third in his second season. Like these guys, like this is a young team. Sure, you have vets like Church, Matthews, Keenan, Lintner, Dinsdale, some of the guys on the back end, like Rubish and Dilts. But this is, you know, to its core, um, without the exception of their core, it's a young group. And I yeah. do agree with you maybe Saskatchewan ha- their their fan base has to be a little bit patient here that you know it's two years in a row they're going to miss the postseason but next year with a couple of changes here and there and unfortunately some of those core pieces that I just mentioned might not be here next year and yeah. that's not a bad thing I think it's going to be a changing of the guard I think goaltending is the biggest need they have to go out and get a legitimate 
NLL starter, a guy that has proven himself um, because I think that is the biggest area of need. This isn't a rebuild. I think it's a retool. And I think within a year or two, they'll be back to contending. Um, The fan base has to be patient and the ownership has to be patient because Mm -hmm. let's be honest, look at their attendance. It has gone down. Fans are not flocking to that arena like they once did. And I know winning certainly has a lot to do with filling butts and seats. Uh, So that new ownership group wants to win. They want that building full. So it's, it's going to be a, it's kind of a Jekyll or a catch 22 situation. Yeah. You want to be patient uh, and let these guys blossom as young players and get their, their chances in. But at the same time, how long do you sit on your hands and allow these guys to, mm-hmm. to go before you have to ship a couple of these young pieces out to get a veteran in as well? Vegas at San Diego round three of the Josiah bowl, a win in the seals clinch first in the West. Um, we talked about Vegas a little bit earlier, so let's kind of focus on the San Diego club. You know, I don't think people have given them the respect of a team that's first overall in the West. No. You know, everyone saw the the paper trail and the money being, you know, quote unquote, thrown around to bring in a Crowley and a Dixon. And last year with Dobie, um, you know, they, they trade away a lot of pieces to get Frankie back. And people were questioning whether it's Frankie or whether it's O-Rig. Do they need to go get another guy? Like there were... This has been the least talked about number one seed in a long time. And I don't think San Diego, I I know they don't care what we think. But this is a group that has just quietly gone about their business and and won games that they've needed to win. A couple blips here and there, that overtime loss to to Buffalo. um, You know, I think a lot of people looked at that game like, oh, they can't compete. They were within one shot of beating Buffalo. But this is a team that, come playoff time, I think is going to be very scary and very hard to compete against because they know what's on the line. They know there's a lot of pressure on them um, with everything they've done within that organization to make a championship run. But I just don't think people are talking about how good this team is. They aren't. And it's insane that they aren't. I think it's like they just ex- like what do people expect them just to not yeah lose you build a super team you should be number one okay go ahead fine you know they're 12 and four <laughs> they have three players with plus 90 points yeah they might have multiple 100 point scorers they have two players with over 40 goals like this is a damn good lacrosse team. And we're yeah. just talking about their offense. <laughs> yeah. the defense has met and exceeded everyone's expectations. They're aggressive. They're in your face. They can also push transition. Yep. Um, they, everyone, including us, oh, well, the goaltending, the goaltending. Well, the goaltending has been all right, except for the exception of maybe last game. But they're fine. Yeah, They're fine. They're not panicking. And you said it best. They don't give a shit that nobody's talking about them. They might actually be happier that no one's mm-hmm. talking about them because all everyone wanted to talk about in the offseason, San Diego this, San Diego this, super team, one ball, blah, blah, blah. Well, th- now no one's talking about them for whatever reason, and they're just going to walk into the postseason, hopefully for them, have first seed, which I know they want, um, 
and they're going to be a tough out, man. They can beat you in, in so many different ways. If you want it to be, you know, um, a track meet, they've got the legs for that. They want to grind you down, slow things down. Boy, they can do that too. And if it's going to be an offensive showdown, I don't think anyone wants to go blow for blow with that offense. Uh, NLL fact of the day from our friend Graham Perro. Uh, the 2023 San Diego Seals are the only are only the third team in NLL history to have three players over 90 points. There you the go. The other two, the 05 Rock, Doyle Manning Sanderson, and the 2015 Bandits with Benny, Dane Smith, and Mark Stainhouse. Wow. And I, I'd, I'd have to go back and look at those rosters, but I don't know how many of those guys in those seasons put up 100 points. Uh, 2015. So, Buffalo, so actually yeah. on that note, Graham Farrell quote tweeted that the 2005 Rock are the only team to have three players over 100 points. The Seals have two games left yeah mark stainhouse had 95 points in 2015 he only played 17 games so he probably would have gotten there dane had 107 benny had 113 and then that 05 team go way back toronto doyle had 111 the prairie dog blaine manning had 105 and shooter had 102 the next closest guy was aaron wilson at 74 so some history could be made here by the San Diego Seals team. And again, yeah, I just people aren't talking about it. It's, it's crazy. And I, I think I think you're right. People looked and said, oh, super team, super team, super team. One ball, what can they do? Well, they've met expectations and exceeded them. As they said, at 12 and 4 and a chance to be the number one team in the West and the number one team overall in the National Crossing when all is said and done. Sunday, fun day, Philadelphia at Albany. The Wings need a win to stay alive and an awesome chance for their offense to get back on track because they were stymied by Toronto last weekend. And I think if you're Philadelphia, if you're going to make a playoff run, obviously it starts now, but Miss Jones has to have another incredible game. Joe Rez has to be phenomenal. Uh, they need Higgy to play unreal between the pipes but they're getting an albany team that's just kind of limping towards the end of the season so all signs point to them having a big game but again you got to play the game to win the game but i think this philadelphia team has a much better performance the guys on on lax class talked about it this week and i think it was brad who was filling in for tino said that i don't think and i agree with him i don't think that what we saw from Philadelphia was the fact that like Philly just didn't play well. I think that spoke more to how friggin' good Toronto played yeah. and how good they really are. Well, yeah, um, we're dealing to snoop back to your defense. It's, 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 it's stupid. We'll get to those guys yeah. in, in, in a little bit. So this is an opportunity with a quote unquote lesser of a team in Albany, but they just proved last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was beating Rochester, a team mm-hmm. that's in the playoffs. So they're not backing down at any point. This is a, a really big moment for Philly. Like, they're pretty much out of, like, they really got to hope for some things. Actually, their social media team did uh, actually put a couple of um, 
infographics pretty funny the way that they they did it go chip take a look but like a lot of stuff has to go their way so yeah. just take care of business beat albany fill the net try to score as much as possible then at least you can tell yourselves well we did everything we could in our last two games just unfortunately you know a couple of things here and there earlier in the year kind of screwed us but yeah the <laughs> What we're seeing from Mitch Jones, like averaging 7.5 points per game since joining this team is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Joe, Joe Rez is going to have another 100 point point, 100 plus point season. Crazy. But just goes to show you the East. It, it, it We said from the start it was going to be a meat grinder and it's going to finish as a meat grinder. And unfortunately for Philly, it's looking like they're going to be on the outside, but crazier things have happened. The game of the week, live on ESPNU with Brendan Glasheen and Mitch Belisle. The winner gets first in the East. Bandits rock as good as it gets. This is going to be a phenomenal lacrosse game. It's no love lost. These two teams don't like each other. Whatever cliches you want to throw, that is literally what it's all about between these two teams. The best rivalry in the NL, one of the best rivalries in all of lacrosse. And not only is there a ton on the line for seeding, but I think there's a lot on the line for Buffalo, for them to prove to themselves they're the team that they believe they are. Mm -hmm. Because the last time Buffalo walked, onto the floor, they got chased off almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever seen this Buffalo group been outclassed like that. No. I think it was one of the biggest losses that they've had in the last few years, especially yeah. one of the biggest losses to a team in Toronto, their, their rival. Yeah. 18 to seven. They're and down they just seven got, nothing by the first quarter. Yeah. It was, it was not close. It was never close. And, and Toronto, you know, say what you will about you know this group dealing with some injuries in in buffalo and of course there are some some big players out and some guys that kind of would help in some of these bigger games against some tougher d but toronto was also going through some injury troubles as well and they figured it away buffalo i think is going to learn a lot from that last game they've watched probably a ton of tape probably won't flog as many shots from the outside as they did and and just basically hand transition situations be a little more careful with the ball at the top of the floor not allow that transition game to take over um maybe they try to grind slow it down grind this team out play two halves um and, and not allow the middle of the floor uh to take over for for t- toronto but that's easier said than done mm-hmm. um the additions of Mitch Desnew being healthy and now getting Chris Corbeil in the lineup and reinserting Dan Dawson into their group. Not only do they insert great players, they insert great leaders. And when you can add leaders like that to a group, it just steps the level of belief up. And there's just a, there was a lot more composure with that rock club. It's crazy to think that that defense could have gotten better and scarier, but it did. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that plays into this game against Buffalo, but it's obviously going to make it a lot harder for Dane and Josh. Um, 
and Kluche and Brad McCulley and Kyle Buchanan and all those guys, whether DeHoga is back or not, we don't know. But it's not going to be easy. If they can have a as healthy and full lineup as they can, I don't think Brandon Robinson is, is back yet. But if they can get DeHoka back, that that is a huge spark of energy, much like getting a Desnew and a Corbeil and a Dawson back. Getting DeHoka back in that lineup really changed the energy factor with that group. We know that Byrne and, and, and Dane are the life force of that group. But the work that DeHoka Nanakoke does within the boards and between the end line and the restraining line is unmatched. And he brings an energy much like an Austin Stotts does. So if they can get him in the lineup, I think that's a huge game changer for them. But more importantly, I think they have to have Matt Vince playing like the goat yeah. that he is. Him one-on-one yeah. with Nick Rose is always a great battle. And, and for Rosie, it's kind of, you know, this is me. This is how I play. This is what you're going to get. Matt Vince hasn't looked like himself at times this year. He was a 61.3 save percentage in that game against Toronto a few weeks back. 31 shots, only 19 saves, a 22.2 goals against average. That's not Matt Vince numbers. No. So you no. know he is going to have a much better game, and the defense is going to have a better game plan. But I just don't know how you game plan to stop Tom Shriver. There is no game plan. You don't stop him. <laughs> you just hope to contain him, and I think that's what they're going to do. I think we're going to see a very – chippy mm. in your face defensive old school buffalo bandit strategy on the back end and i i do think like we're gonna see buffalo sacrifice a little bit of offense here which is crazy to think like i think five six seven seconds left in the clock you're gonna see guys leaking to the bench going back reverse transition like expect even more of a heavy dose of, of guys like dane um and josh uh playing a little bit of defense, maybe Ian McKay plays a little more transition, like to take away that reverse transition. I really do think that that's obviously a main factor of, of why they were, you know, so outclassed in that game is they yeah. really didn't have the finer attentions to take it away until, sorry, I shouldn't say the whole game um, in that first half, especially that first quarter, it seemed like, um, they forgot that they were playing that Buffalo Bandits or sorry, playing that Toronto rock team that just loves to push the tempo. Um, but you nailed it on the head. Matt Vince has to be better. He will be better. Um, and I think he's going to play this game with a chip on his shoulder because he got picked apart mm -hmm. um, really, really badly. Something that we hadn't seen from him in a very long time. But as you know, when these two teams play, usually it's a close game. That was an outlier last game. I think we're going to see a much closer game. Bandits always play really well at home. It's going to be a rocking crowd. I can't wait for this one. Uh, an outlier of the weekend. We won the parlay. Let's see if we yeah. can do it again. Time now for Box Bets. Your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, Patty, box bets time. Uh, Calgary, Toronto, Halifax, plus 255. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. We got on the winning side of the parlay the last week. 
Um, what do the fans say we do this week? They want to keep it simple, stupid. The three-way money line parlay worked last time. They're going to do it again, and, and it looks like they think the theme of going with teams that need to win is a good thing, and okay. I tend to agree. So we've got the Halifax Thunderbirds to win to beat the New York Riptide. Yep. The Georgia Swarm to win and beat the Rochester Nighthawks. Ooh. A little bit of a spicy one there. And then last but certainly not least, the Colorado Mammoth to win on the road against a Saskatchewan team that is eliminated. But whenever those two teams play, it's always a close game. Add that all together exclusively at Cool Bet. It is plus five. 10 wow $10 wager wins you 122 bucks like this one a lot i really 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 i think the folks really picked a good one and and to go someone asked me like oh is is georgia's got to be favored in that game they are favored but but not by much no georgia is minus 115 rochester minus 105 so you think rochester is going to get back on the saddle here shame on you for going against us <laughs> in the parlay but there definitely is some value there but again that game just so so close uh, i love this parlay though the, the 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 voters did a great job uh san diego seals are still your favorite to win the championship at plus 500 the rock are plus 550 colorado buffalo plus 600 calgary plus 650 and panther city plus 700 and then it takes a big jump from there. So you can still get in on some of the action over at coolbet.com. You can. And new prop alert. Uh-oh. I don't know if we have a, so- a sound for that, a drop for that. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> new prop alert. Uh, if you go to winner, where you'll also find a couple of our others, the, the alternate spreads, obviously the money line, first team to score. Uh, which is a new one that dropped earlier this year. Another one, first team to score five goals. Oh, how do we find that, Pat? So you just hit that winner's tab on whatever game you're looking for. So let's go with the first game of the week. Panthers City, Lacrosse Club, and Calgary Roughnecks. So the first team to score five goals, Panthers City plus 117, Calgary Roughnecks minus one. 43 so if you're looking to get calgary you think you know this should be a dominant performance from start to finish but you don't want to lay that juice at minus 189 and you don't really like the spread at minus two and a half you can just bet them first to five um you can bet that there if you think panther city i don't know if they can win but i think they're going to come out here strong can also bet them there or you can add it to a parlay as well so another way to uh, to bet there and i kind of liken it to um the first five in baseball you can bet the first five yeah uh, first five inning money line so um just another unique way to get a little bit of action on the game and if you're not too sure what's going to happen but want to have some fun it's a bet you can take out coolbet.com is the site find the nll tab Play along, features tab. You can find our parlay. You can find the last class boys parlay. Join in, have some fun. If you're a new user, when you subscribe, use that OTCB promo code. We'll help you out with a little couple of ducats here and there. And as we always say, stay cool.
bet responsibly. Um, all right, a couple side stories. Um, and one of the great stories to come out of the NCAA this past week, the appointment of the heir to Bill Tierney's throne down in Denver. And we all kind of knew this was coming. Yeah. Obviously, they had to do their due diligence and a couple, you know, maybe one-off interviews here or there. But Matt Brown uh, will succeed Bill Tierney in coaching the Denver Pios down there um, in the Rockies. And what a great story. You know, Matt Brown was a former pioneer. Uh, he was one of the first BC guys to kind of go down there, one of the first Canadians to make the trek down to to DU as they started to make the run as a D1 program. And he's been a massive influence in getting a ton of Canadians down there. And over the past few years, when we always knew that Bill was going to be stepping, but stepping down, it was always going to be Matt Brown's team. His fingerprints are all over this team and this club and this program. And uh, a great little video was put out by the university when they announced it in front of the team and, and, and Brownie was choked up. You, you could see how much it meant to him and you could see how much those kids mean to him. And it was funny because, you know, he said, we still got work to do and it all mm -hmm. starts Friday, you know, final home game. They can be undefeated at home, send their seniors off uh, on the right. note, book their ticket to the big dance uh, or the big East conference dance um, and move forward. This is just continues to be one of the best programs in the NCAA. And for a guy that like I knew Matt Brown when he was a 16 year old and he went to five straight Minto cups with the Bernie. <laughs> he was just a phenom and he had a bit of a cup of coffee in the national Cross league. It just, it just didn't progress for him uh, probably as much as he wanted to. But as soon as he stepped into the coaching realm in Denver, you knew he was destined for great things and he's done amazing work there. He's doing amazing work with team Canada. He is an incredible human being. He's an awesome interview. He is a brilliant, brilliant mind when it comes to schematics and game planning and, you know, working out what makes his team successful. And I couldn't be happier for Matt Brown. Congratulations to him. He is going to do amazing things at DU. And he's got a big summer coming up with Team Canada as well. But uh, a great first step to him to getting his first NCAA head coaching job. Yeah, you, you said it um, perfectly. I won't, I won't go too long. But you knew this was the move. You knew this was the next step. He was the heir apparent to the throne. And um, exciting things to come for, for DU. Um, again, and, and happy, to, happy that the Canadian pipeline will be strong heading down to Denver. Speaking of the Canadian pipeline, Team Canada announced their world championship roster for this summer in San Diego. And boy, is this a very, very, very good team. Um, let's start in goal. Uh, Dylan Ward, might have heard of him. <laughs> uh, Brett Dobson. And Caleb Creaser will be your three goaltenders. Uh, obviously, Dobro will most likely be the backup. He might play the odd game to give D Ward a bit of a break. Uh, Justin Nasio will be a faceoff guy. Um, most likely, most of the draws will be taken by that guy, uh, Mr. Withers. Again, might have heard of him. 
Uh, on defense, Owen Grant, Latrell Harris, Graham Hossick, Brody Merrill, Ryland Reese, Patrick Shumay, and Cameron Wires. Not a small body at all on that back. <laughs> no. uh, out of the midfield, Westberg, Zach Courier, Graydon Hogue, Thomas McConvey, Clark Peterson, Challen Rogers, Dane Smith, Dyson Williams, Jake Withers, my boy Casey Wilson making the club. <laughs> Shout out, good Victoria boy. And then on attack, Josh Byrne, Curtis Dixon, Ryan Lee, Jeff Teat, decent. And then the name that had everybody scratching their heads, a one Connor Fields will dress up for the red and white. I love it. This team's an absolute wagon. <laughs> this is a good lacrosse team. I love how they included some of the youngsters. Um, it's something that we're seeing more and more often. Obviously, they're the future of this program, so might as well get them some experience. Obviously, there's a good chance we don't see them play significant minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, that defense, that midfield is is scary. It's athletic. I love, though, how they have Jake Withers listed as a midfielder, not a face-off guy. You know yeah. he's going to play some short stick, D-Mitty. Um, I love this team, man. I really, really think this is a scary, scary, scary team. And, I, I honestly, uh, I can't wait now for San Diego. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, it is going to be a fun summer for these guys playing. And, you know, all eyes will be on San Diego down there in the sunshine, Snapdragon Stadium. It is going to be an absolute blast. Um, but that is one of the best and most complete Team Canada rosters I've seen oh, yeah. in a while. All those guys have field experience down in the NCAA all those guys have some – most of those guys have some sort of international experience, whether it be with the men's team or the U19s or U21s, whatever you want to call them. That goes a long way. That that goes a long way in making sure these guys are always aware and and understand their position. You're not just getting that – you know, you're not getting a Colin Doyle who would never really played a lot of field lacrosse, but is just a great lacrosse player playing and see what he can do outdoors. All these guys have had success in the field game, which puts this Canadian team on par with any roster the United States wants to put out there. You, you nailed it. Like well, I think we've seen maybe more talented rosters, but I don't know if we've ever seen one so well-rounded and that like, I can't like, you can't poke a hole anywhere in this no. roster. You really can't. The challenge though, is like, who do you start? Who is your yeah. start? Like attack? Like what's your starting attack? Like, are you going T Dixon and burn? You can throw Ryan Lee in there. Like even fields off. Like that, that attack unit is friggin' scary. Yeah. It's filthy. You know, Burn, Fields, Teat are the three lefties. Dixon and Lee are the righties. It's going to be tough to give those guys equal minutes. Um, but I don't think those guys will really care. I think those guys no. are just going to, hey, is it my turn? Okay, I- I'm in. Um, I-, I just can't wait for this, man. It- the As much as we love watching the, the world indoors and Canada's just supreme dominance, I think I've grown to love the field championships more just because throw the Iroquois in there it, it, or the Haudenosaunee, sorry. It is just, it is going to be unreal. Those three nations battling, um, you know, you're always going to get, you know, the 
the Israeli team made has made huge strides over the past few years. England is always a, a battle. The Australians continue to to make strides. Japan, with what they did in the sixes, will have a much better team. Um, I, I just can't wait. It's going to be the biggest world championships ever with the amount of countries that are playing. Um, shout out to the guys at the post game podcast and, and Nick Rizzello and, and what they're doing to try to re- help raise money for the Uganda Nationals to get um, to the World Championships. Uh, if you want, go check out Nick's social medias and, and you can buy one of their reversibles um, that they're help trying to raise money for. It's a great cause. And, and the Ugand- I think the Uganda team was always sort of like the Cameroon team in the World Champion and the World Cup. It was just the, the the country that always brings the most energy and flavor and passion and fun. And these guys, like, you can see their social media. These guys are just loving learning and playing the game of lacrosse. I think it's a great... A next step for them but this world championship is going to be like something we've never seen before i can't wait man and and those smaller nations and and the um the other divisions are yeah. also what it's all about like growing the game and, and you're seeing it up up close and personal it's it is the best and it's in san diego it's a beautiful venue it's in a beautiful part of, of the united states um it's crazy to think that know how long it's been since we've had one of these things <laughs> like yeah i know I, it feels like it's longer i don't know maybe because it's covid usually these things creep up on i don't know like four years you're like oh wow i feel like it was just yesterday um it feels like it's been forever since we've had this and i know we've had a couple of international tournaments sprinkled in there as well with the sixes and the indoor box um but i'm absolutely stoked for this one um pll just released their schedule right they did. Do, are they taking a world championship break? I believe so. Yes, that's. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure they would have to. <laughs> uh, yeah, PLL announced their schedule. Head over to uh, PremierLacrosseLeague.com. You can see when their things are going down. Week one will be in Albany. Uh, Redwoods, Atlas, Cannons, Archers, Chaos, Water Dogs. Just some of the games on that first weekend um in albany which is always a great spectacle because they put out a ton of good fan base in that opening city can't talk about summer lacrosse without talking about summer ball um, oh my we heads talk- we talked we'll, to my heads we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that I was talking about, <laughs> we've talked a lot about junior lacrosse haven't talked too much about senior um yeah. But msl and wla schedules both up so um the road to the man cup is going to start on may 22nd um as these both these leagues get underway um brampton as we talked to uh medeiros yeah back in msl so that's exciting and of course obviously the wla you you uh you'll have your your finger close to that pulse but i'm excited just to, to, to follow the WLA again this year. I thought last year was one of the more intriguing seasons in WLA that we've had in a while. And uh, yeah, summer ball's here. And uh, it's crazy that it's here. Uh, We have our first game Tuesday with the Junior B Shamrocks uh, against our arch rival, the Nanaimo Timberman. Uh, Get that season going. We got three games in the first weekend. So we play... Tuesday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's just right into the swing of things starting next week. You guys get going next weekend too, right? Uh, this weekend. So we got what? our exhibition game against. Oh, Aurora. exhibition. Games. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we don't start uh, until uh, 
first week in May. So it is creeping up though as well. But yeah, first exhibition game this weekend, taking on Against the our, Mighty Gales. Yes, our our big rivals in the Gales. That's in Pickering. I won't be there. I'm in Halifax, unfortunately, but uh um excited. You know, just being at the rink for the last couple of weeks. We we moved back into our home arena on uh, on Tuesday night. Um again, it for me it usually um, with the NLL season now, like uh, you, you kind of, there's that crossover where yeah. it still doesn't fully feel like summer ball season, but la- you know, Tuesday night when we were in our home arena, got the coach's office all set up. I'm like, fucking right, man. Summer balls here. <laughs> oh, it's the best, man. I can't wait. Uh, I also can't wait for this weekend, a huge week 21 in the national lacrosse league. Of course, TSN game of the week. Uh, you will be there, Halifax hosting New York. The ESPN game of the week, Toronto at Buffalo. It is going to be a beauty. Thanks to Josh Medeiros for stopping by and giving us some time. He's Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at Pete Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast or follow us on Insta at OTCB podcast. Just two weekends left. Still a whole lot to play for in that meat grinder of an East. Who will come out unscathed and who will be eliminated? We'll have to figure that all out when we speak again next week. Until then, enjoy the games this weekend. If you go to the game, take a friend. If you take a friend, take two. And, of course, buy them a beer or two. Go Oilers. Suck at Leafs. We'll speak to you next week. Hey. Be safe and be excellent to each other. I-